every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you. I thank you again, Father, for the opportunity that we get to be your hands and feet. Father, this morning, as I was at this altar, I was praying for your presence. And I thank you because I feel it every time I walk in the doors. And Father, as the worship team was singing today, and I could hear the congregation, I just, I thank you so much for confirmation that you continue to give us, myself, my family, this leadership team, that this church was put here for the right reasons and, and at the right timing. That's what's most important. And Father, just thank you for that confirmation. And I, I praise you for the people uh, that I've talked with just in the last couple weeks that are growing, uh, that, are, that are building ministries, that are starting ministries. Uh, Father, I ask that you continue to give them wisdom and knowledge, and most importantly, people surrounding them that will encourage them. And Father, they need to know and understand that I'm here for that, and so is the leadership of this church. It is all about building your kingdom, Father. It's not about one church. Father, this series that you've had me start on marriage has been something that I truly believe has already changed some households. Father, I just ask that there are some households that I know that are struggling. Father, I ask that you give them peace and you give them direction. Father, some of them that I feel may be having those problems may not even know I know they have those problems. But Father, again, I just I need everyone in this congregation to understand. Father, this is a flock that you've put in front of me, and I need them to know that I'm here to help. I'm here to guide. I'm here to direct. I'm here to encourage. And most important, I'm here to pray with them. Father, if you could, just place that on their hearts. And Father, in this moment, I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, I need you to take all my pride, anger, doubt. Take that away from me, Father, and replace it with you. Replace it with your love, your teaching, and your peace. I ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right. <clears throat> One hot summer day in Texas, there was a man who was leaving his house, and he walked out of his kitchen door, which went into his garage, and he locked and shut the door behind him. And once he got in the garage, he realized he had locked his keys in the house. Not a big deal. It was getting a little hot in there, right? I mean, it's the middle of summer. It's 100 degrees outside. So he just said, well, I know that I've got a spare key outside. I've hidden it over here in the grass or in the flower beds. I just need to open the garage door and go out there and get it. Well, the problem was he hit that button to open the garage door, and then a lot of y'all know this, that dreaded blinking light came on. Garage door wouldn't open. So he said, well, not a big deal. I'll just go open it myself. He tried to unlatch it, couldn't get it unlatched, tried to lift it up, couldn't get it up. All of a sudden, what turned in from one minute turned into five, turned into ten, 
It's 100 degrees outside. There's no air whatsoever. He is now in a hostile environment. It's hot. So after another five minutes, he realized, you know what? I bet there's a phone number somewhere that I can call the people that installed my garage door. He finds a number, picks up the phone. Sure enough, guy answers it. Man tells him on the phone. He said, are you standing in front of the garage door? He said, yes, I am. And he said, if you look down at the bottom to your left and you look down at the bottom to your right, he said, there's these two boxes and they have a lens on them. He said, they're supposed to connect. The man looks at it and he realizes that both boxes were turned different ways. So with a little adjustment, he got those to connect. The garage door opened and he's no longer in that hostile environment. As soon as that air came in and hit him in the face, it was great. Guys, that's a big problem with a lot of marriages today. Where marriage is supposed to have a peaceful environment, in a lot of homes, it's a hostile environment. The other issue is, is we've got kids seeing that. That's a big problem. We're going to discuss that today. Today, we're continuing. This is the fourth week of this series entitled Warrior Marriage. In the last three weeks, we have discussed the purpose of marriage, the instructions on who we should marry, the function of the marriage covenant, and how to unify marriage. Today, again, I want to discuss on how to create a peaceful marriage environment. The first half of this lesson today will be directed to the men. And since I am an equal opportunity person, the second half will be dedicated to the women of the church. <laughs> Paul summarizes the roles of a husband and a wife in Ephesians chapter 5. The entire section is verses 20 through 33 but in verses 33 excuse me verse 33 he gives two words that if used properly will direct your marriage from a hostile environment to a peaceful environment let's look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 33 to sum up each one of you is to love his wife as himself and the wife is to respect her husband one day there was a man and he was at a cemetery and he was crying over a gravestone and he's sitting at this gravestone he's on his knees and, he, and he's and he's hitting the gravestone and he's saying why did you have to die why did you have to die there's a guy that's passing by and he felt sorry for him so he went over to him the closer he got the more he heard him and this time his voice is getting screaming why did you have to die why did you have to die and the man goes down to comfort him. He says, sir, I'm so sorry. Is this the grave of your wife? He said, no, it's the grave of her first husband. <laughs> That's good, man. A lot of men feel this way. They feel like Adam did, right? But Adam was there and he's like, God, why did you, everything was great and then you sent me Eve and it messed everything up. But regardless of your wife's faults, husbands, the Bible commands a man to love his wife. But what exactly is love? This word has been thrown around a lot. I'm very guilty of this because, you know, I love the, the Dallas Cowboys. I love strawberry cake. 
Strawberry cup, man, that's some good stuff, man. I love carbs, period, right? I love rainbow unicorn bangs. And again, some of you older, that's a drink. It's not a weird thing. It's that right there. But the problem is, is that shouldn't be the word that we use. The word should actually be like. I want to look at the biblical definition of love. Compassionately and righteously pursuing the well-being of another. Again, that is the biblical definition of love. Some of you men say, but Micah, (laughs) it's hard to love my wife. She's always against me. It's like she's my enemy. Well, I got news for you. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says to love thy enemies as well. (laughs) So, man, you don't have any way out of this. You have to love your wife. That is a command from the Bible. Every man is to make a decision. Love is a decision. It's, It's not an emotion. It's a decision. It becomes an emotion when we add the word in in front of it, in love. But again, love is a decision. God even did this. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't have to do that, but that's the decision that he made for us, right? So to love, again, you have to make this decision. You have to love your wife. From this biblical definition of love, we are given the ingredients of how to love. Pull up those three ingredients for me. Compassion, righteousness, and protection. That is the ingredients of how we are supposed to love our wife. So the command to love, again, you must be compassionate, righteous, and protectors over your wife. I want to break each one of these down, and we're going to start with compassion. I want to look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh to them. Ways to show compassion to your, life, your wife, man, you, you show her attention. That's one way. And to be honest with you, and we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, that's probably the number one way. Show her attention. Listen to her. Find out her needs and what it is that she's struggling with. Appreciate her. It's funny, today I I can say this, and she's probably going to get mad at me because she says I embarrass her every time I talk about her. So y'all just don't tell her that I said this, okay? What happens in the sanctuary stays in the sanctuary. Well, no, no, that sounded terrible. No, that's not right. When we're talking about Amanda, what happens in the sanctuary... Stays in the sanctuary. You know, appreciating your wife, I appreciate Amanda tremendously, but do I tell her enough? Do I show her enough? As a husband, I don't think I do. And uh, it's something that us as men need to work on more and more. Am I right? Man, our wives, (laughs) my wife literally takes care of the kids. She keeps the house clean. She does everything at the house. The only, the only jobs that I have at the house is to clean the dishes and take out the trash. I mean, that's it. Everything else she takes care of. Those kids, everything that they have to go to, every test that they have to take, all the homework, it's all taken care of. Again, I appreciate my wife, and I do tell her that. 
But do I enough? Us as men need to step up and make dang sure that our wives know, they know that we appreciate them. Another way to show compassion is by accepting their faults. Uh, show them affection. This one's very important. Speak well about her to others. I had a pastor when we got married. Uh, his name was Brother Wes. And, and Brother Wes is a good man. But at this time in my life, I, I was not on the walk that I am now. And so we did marriage counseling with him. And, and I, I didn't hear anything he said. Except for one thing. And it was that. Never talk ill about your wife to anybody. And I'll never forget him making sure I paid attention. He leaned over to me and he said, not even in a joking way. How many times do you get around your buddies, men, and, and uh, you know, oh, man, my wife did this yesterday, and my wife did that yesterday. And you'd be surprised in those moments. I, I, I've had this conversation with guys before where they'll be really, you know, kind of coming down on their wives, and they'll look at me, and they'll say, well, Micah, doesn't your wife do that? Nope. No, man, my wife's awesome. And, you know, just that serious look on your face to them, because they're kidding around, right? And then all of a sudden, they're just like, oh, crap, he's serious. But all kidding aside, that, that's your partner. You can joke around about your best friend that may be your wife, but you don't joke around about the wife. Y'all understand? Y'all see where I'm going? Let's move on to the next one, which is righteousness. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. This is Jesus speaking. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. What this tells me is if you strive for righteousness as a husband, you will be satisfied in your marriage. It's our job, men, to strive for that righteousness and set that example. How do you become a righteous husband? That's very simple, doing what is right. Being loyal, faithful, honor your wife. And I'm going to tell you something, you better honor your wife because y'all don't, I'm, I'm going to put it in a perspective for you guys. A wife is an anointed position by God. If you're not honoring your wife, you're not honoring the position that God put her in. So in turn, you're not honoring God. Understood? Honor your wives. Honor them. And most important, this is the most important way to be righteous with love, and that is to bring your wife closer to God. Have that relationship become stronger and stronger. And do it together. Again, I've said it every week, pray with your wives. Pray with your wives. It brings you closer together. It brings your wife. That's another thing. If it's not for you, you should think about it. This is for my wife. This is going to bring my wife closer to God. That should be your mindset each and every day. What can I do today to get my wife closer to God? What kind of example can I set? And you got to think about it. When we wake up in a bad mood and we act like a bunch of goofballs, you know, that's not bringing her closer. Well, it might, actually. She might pray a lot more. I don't know. I think sometimes when I make her really mad, that does bring her a little closer to God because it's like she knows she's being tempted. You know what I'm saying? 
The last ingredient of love is protection. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this. I want to go to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This verse is very controversial at times, and I'm going to break it down a little bit. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay, the first thing I want to point out is weaker vessel. This does not mean that you women are weak. All this is saying is that in the order that God put the marriage covenant in, the man is the stronger vessel. Man and woman equal. In God's order, man is above woman. If you don't like it, then you're going to have to take it up with the creator. Okay? That's not, that's not mine. That's not me saying. This is not a Micahism at all. That's biblical. But that's all this is saying is that you are to look at her and protect her because she is the weaker vessel in the order. Protect her. That's your job. And the one other thing I want to point out in this verse, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Men, I'm going to ask you a question. Do not give an answer. How long have you been praying for something and it has not happened? How long have you been praying about maybe getting that promotion at work or buying a new home, just getting a new position, and you feel like it's just going on deaf ears, the first thing you need to ask yourself, how am I treating my wife? Because this verse is telling you, if you're not treating her the way that it is in the order and the covenant of God, your prayers will be hindered. Understood? I got one man that said yes. <laughs> Women, y'all go home, talk to your husbands. I don't know that they understood that. Men, did y'all understand that? That's still very weak, but that's okay. I'll let y'all deal with your wives when you get home. It's not my problem. I want to go back again to Adam in Genesis chapter 2. We've talked about this a lot over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Y'all don't have to go there. I'm, I'll set the scene for you guys. You know, God gives Adam a job. job. Adam's job is naming animals. I mean, that's his whole job is to rule dominion, name animals. That's what he's doing. But God realizes there's not a partner suitable for Adam, right? So he puts Adam to sleep, takes out one of the ribs, and, and he fashions, you know, we talked about fashion. He fashioned Eve. And by the way, I just want y'all to know, I did some studying on that word fashioned. Because again, if y'all remember, the way that God makes man, he literally threw some dust together. You know what I'm saying? That's how he made man. But with woman, he fashioned a woman. The Hebrew word for fashion is to build. So if a man comes up to you females and says, you are built, he is being biblical. <laughs> don't get mad at him. Understood? That's, I'm serious. That's biblical. I'm just, don't get mad at him. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. I lost my spot. Okay, then God brings Eve to Adam, and, and of course, guess what? Adam got to name her too. All right, this is where we're going. This is really cool. I like this. Man, first of all, man is supposed to name things, right? Like man named all the animals, you know, and, and he named, you know, he named Eve. In, in fact, the, the, the word, let's see, I think it's the, the Hebrew word for man is ish. Woman is isha. 
And that's what he named them, okay? So, so men get to name things. I got three daughters. I didn't name any of them. <laughs> I didn't get to name the cat that we got. Like, not even a middle name. Like, nothing. So, somewhere along the line, my wife went unbiblical. <laughs> Wives, let your husbands name the kids. You know, Bryce, are you going to let Tristan? Yeah. Tristan's like, thanks, man. Yeah. By the way, Micah is a very good name, very strong name, okay? In fact, if you name them that, they're guaranteed to be good looking, okay? <laughs> so right here, okay, let's go look at Genesis 2:23. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. Okay, so in this moment, man gave woman his name. This is why when women, when we get married, women accept the last name of a man. It all started right here. It's all biblical, okay? This symbolizes responsibility for the man. Therefore, anything that us men are responsible for, we should, we should be protecting that. If you think about a marriage, um, you know, at a wedding, uh, you know, the, the bride's coming down, and, and the dad's bringing her down, right? Okay, and it gets to a point, they come down, they pray, and then usually right after that, the pastor or the officiate, whoever's officiating the wedding will welcome everybody. Again, he'll pray, and then he'll say, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And it's the father's job in that moment to pass protection over to the soon-to-be husband. That's a big deal. It's a very big deal. That woman is no longer covered under the father. Now she's covered under her new husband. I'm not looking forward to giving my daughters away one day. I got three of them again. Y'all know that. But one thing I am looking forward to is, is and I, I know this is going to happen. They're going to get married. They're going to call me one day. They're going to say, Daddy, I need some money. I'm going to say, you ain't under, I, I don't cover you anymore. You don't have my name. You go talk to Billy Bob or whoever it is that you get married to. Go talk to him. Husbands, when you give your wife your name, you are now responsible for her. You are responsible to protect her physically, emotionally, socially, and financially. Go back to those three ingredients of love for me, Nick. Compassion righteousness and protection men if you love your wife in these ways you will have done your part in creating a peaceful marriage environment but husbands i need you to understand something you are the thermostat and your wife is the thermometer when it comes to the marriage covenant she will always give you a reading of the temperature you are setting in the home so don't expect a summer wife if you're bringing home winter weather. Thank you. I stole that. I didn't, I didn't come up with that one. Was that from you? Oh, thanks, man. You sure you, you, sure you said that? No, I know. Yeah, that's good. That's good. By the way, he gets to preach next week. Y'all excited to hear Bojo preach next week? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, not too excited, though. I'll be back the next week, okay? 
Some of you men say, but I think I married the wrong woman. Well, if you start treating the wrong woman like the right woman, she might become the right woman. That reminds me of a story, and I'm going to tell this story, and I told it last year. So for those of y'all that heard it, just act spiritual and nod, because we got a lot of new people here, and they hadn't heard this story. But see, back in the Renaissance time, if a man had daughters, the way that he would give those daughters away to be married is another man would show up and offer him something, basically buy the daughters, okay? So there's this man, got two daughters, one of them is a looker, okay? One of them very good looking. Good, good looking one. She is built biblically. <laughs> so, so the, and then he's got another daughter, okay? The, the other daughter is, is not, she's built but in a different way, not biblically, okay? It's a little different. She, she's not a looker. She's what we would call a little homely, okay? We'll just leave it at that. And we'll say that the one that's built, and fashioned biblically, we're just going to name her Amanda, okay? Because that's my wife's name, and she's beautiful, and she's built, and she's fashioned, and we're going to call that Amanda. And then the other woman, we're, we're going we're gonna to name her Bertha. Do we have any Berthas in here? <laughs> last year it was Helga. Y'all remember that last year? You remember, you remember that, yeah. So I had to change it this year. So Bertha. Okay, so anyway, so one day a man comes up to this father's house and he's got 10 cows and he walks up to the father and he says I want to marry one of your daughters and I got 10 cows to give you well back then 10 cows that's a lot of cows okay that's a lot that's a lot of meat that's a lot of steak this guy was pumped he liked steak liked the grill he's like this is awesome get 10 cows he almost gave both of his daughters away for those 10 cows but he's like no I can't do that so anyway so uh, obviously the father and the two daughters were expecting this man to take Amanda but he didn't he took Bertha. About a year later, the father decided he was going to go visit his daughter at her new home with her new husband. As he got closer to the house and he started to approach the house, he saw a woman come out. This woman came running up to him, grabbed him and hugged him. He didn't recognize her until she got away from the hug. And he realized it was Bertha. Bertha, because her sister was so beautiful and so good-looking and so outgoing, Bertha over here was very shy, very timid, very quiet, again, homely-looking. But in that moment, the father realized something happened. This woman was now beautiful. She'd been taking care of herself, and she was happy. She was joyful. And he asked her, he said, what in the world has happened to you? And she said, when that man gave you 10 cows for me, I decided to be a 10-cow woman. Men, don't treat your wife like 10 cows. But here's the thing. You need to set her apart. You need to exalt your wife. A lot of us have fancy china dishes. My, my wife does. And they're set aside in a glass cabinet. Those are special dishes. Those are exalted. Men, that's what we're supposed to do with our wives. Exalt your wife. If you do these things, guys, you will have created that peaceful environment that we're trying to create. Now, again, since I'm an equal opportunities person, 
I want to discuss the wives' role in creating this peaceful marriage environment. There was a woman. <laughs> I'm already laughing. I ain't told the story. There was a woman, and, and, and she found a lamp. And she rubs the lamp, and this genie comes out, right? And the genie says, ma'am, because you released me, I'll grant you three wishes, but all three wishes that I give you, I'm going to give the same thing to your husband, but ten times that. She said, okay, that's fine. He said, well, what's your first wish? And she said, I want to be the most beautiful woman in the world. He said, okay, I'm going to make you the most beautiful woman in the world, and your husband will be ten times more handsome than any man in the world. Cool, cool. He said, what's your next wish? She said, I want to be the richest woman in the world. He said, okay, I can do that, and your husband will be ten times richer than the next richest man in the world. She said, okay. He said, what's your third wish? She said, I just want a slight heart attack. <laughs> Took some of y'all a minute to get that one. The truth is, a lot of wives feel this way. They're not happy with the man they're married to. There are two sides to this coin, though. One side is uh, it could be because the lack of love from the husband. But on the other side, it could be the lack of this word that we're fixing to see in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. We read this earlier. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to... One more time. The wife is to... R-E-S-P-E-C-T her husband. Wives, you are not commanded to love your husband in the Bible, but you are commanded to respect him. Man, I'm finna get these ladies. Y'all excited about that? Yeah, okay, that's what I'm talking about. Amen, right? Don't hit him. Don't do that. <laughs> Struck him in the church. Shame on you. <laughs> Praying for you, guy. Yeah. Let's look up the biblical definition of respect. To hold in a privileged position to esteem greatly, to give recognition to position. A woman's need is in her heart, but a man's is definitely in his head. Wives tell me all the time, I'm tired of, <laughs> I'm tired of stroking my husband's ego. And I'm going to tell you all what I tell all them wives. That's what we want. We want our ego struck. That's just a man. I'll just be honest with you. It's biblical. We want respect. That's what men want. Where y'all are emotional, we're, we're emotional on a different level. We're going to move along. <laughs> Women, I need you to grasp this today. You respect the position of husband even when you can't respect the person. I know that's hard. And I'm fixing to get into that. Y'all give me just a second. I promise I'm getting there. The title husband just like wife is an anointed position by God. I want you to think about it this way. One does not have to agree with their boss in the decisions that he may make at work, but you will respect your boss. So wives, how do you respect your husband? Just like this definition says, you recognize his anointed position by submitting to him. We talked about submission a few weeks back. But I need you to understand something. Jesus was also submissive. 
Jesus always gave reference to God. He always gave reference to the Father. In fact, I have come to see, I've, I've come to do my Father's will, right? So when you hear a wife say, don't get mad at me. Let me ask my husband first. She's doing the same thing Jesus did. Even though Jesus was an equal, or excuse me, even though Jesus was equal to the Father, he always gave reference to the Father. Jesus was honoring God's position. Now, however, there is a catch to this submission. We're going to look at it. Ephesians 5.22. We read this a couple weeks ago. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. Ladies, I need you to understand the man doesn't have absolute authority over you. He has delegated authority over you. In other words, he, he, he can never overrule God in your life. There are boundaries, ladies. Pull up that umbrella pick for me, please. Okay. This is the same picture that we looked at a few weeks back when we talked about the covenant. Those two lines, that's your boundaries. Wives, as long as your husband is inside this boundary and he is protecting the family, leading the family, and providing the family, you are to be submissive to him. He is under God. He is doing what God has asked of him. If your husband is taking care of you socially, financially, and spiritually, and he's raising your children in the right way, he's inside those boundaries. Amen? All this other junk that's on the outside, physical abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse, verbal abuse, being a drunkard, selfishness, adultery or cheating, lack of spiritual provision, lack of financial provision, those are all outside of the boundaries of that covenant. When he's inside those boundaries, you respect him and you honor him as a man, excuse me, as a husband. Because again, a husband is anointed position by God, correct? The second that he gets outside of those boundaries, he's no longer a husband. He's just a man. Or some would even say a boy. If you men treat your women from what I see on the outside right here, my pride almost jumped in. Give me a second. I have no respect for a man that will hurt a woman. Zero. I have none. But I need everybody in this room to know something. If you've done it, I can help you. God can forgive you. He will. He was already. He'll forgive you. All you got to do is repent. But you have to truly repent. You can't keep going back and hurting your wife over and over again. If there is a struggle in a marriage in this room or anybody that's watching online, 
come to us, we'll help you. Because I promise you, with God, all things are possible. He can fix anything. And the last thing he wants is divorce. He hates divorce. That is biblical. But I'm going to tell you right now, women, wives, if your husband's outside of these boundaries, you have every single right to walk away from the marriage covenant. But there's a way of doing it, and I'm going to teach that in a couple weeks. Don't just do it. There's a way, there's an order, there's a standard that is put in place by this church, and I believe should be set in by every church on how biblical divorce should take place. But if you are getting abused in any way, women, ladies, wives, come talk to us. We'll help you. No woman should ever be abused. Ever. Ever. Your pastor won't tolerate it. And neither will the church. Now, again, if, if your husband is, again, operating and leading inside these boundaries, you are to submit to that anointed position. Okay, let's make sure we got that point across. Because, listen, there's a lot of men, I promise you, especially the majority in here, I assure you, are, are, are operating inside of this. Okay, and let me tell you ladies something else. Mm. If your husband is operating inside of this, love him. Praise him. Let him know that he's doing a good job. Just like I was talking about with Amanda and showing appreciation, show appreciation to your husband. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the world makes it really hard to stay inside of this. It's not easy. Let's go to Genesis 2:18. The Lord God said, "It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him." Wives, you are the helper that God has put in place for the husband. So again, as long as he's leading in the proper way, do not try to overpower him. If you try to overpower him, one of two things is going to happen, guys. He will either become a passive male and let you run the show. That yes, dear husband. Or he will become a dominant male defying you. If he is biblically leading the right way, you need to allow him to lead. And you need to make sure that he knows he is free to do that. Again, praise him. Praise him. Because it's hard. Some women may say, but I am the most talented, I make more money, I'm smarter. Ladies, that is irrelevant in God's order of the marriage leadership roles. It is irrelevant. Let's say you're right here on I-30 and you're headed towards Little Rock. And you get up here at the, the fair exit, right? And, and there's an on-ramp, okay? So you're, you're driving this way. Well, you're not driving. Let, let me back up. Okay, let's say there's a Volkswagen Beetle on I-30, 
and they're headed to Little Rock. And on that on-ramp, which has a yield sign, by the way, is coming an 18-wheeler, oversized, with tons of cargo. As that beetle is driving, it's not bigger, it's not stronger, it's not more powerful than that 18-wheeler, right? I think we can all agree with that. But that 18-wheeler still has to yield. There is still a law that is in place that makes them yield. It's the same way in the marriage covenant. Even though, ladies, you might make more money, you might be more powerful. But if your husband is leading the proper way, you have to let him lead. That is called respect. And you need to know if you respect your husband, you're respecting God. If you don't respect your husband, you're not respecting God. You're not respecting the rules and the orders that he's put in place for, again, that marriage covenant. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 11.10. So a woman should wear a covering on her head as a sign that she is under man's authority. A fact for all the angels to notice and rejoice in. Okay, again, a lot of ladies have made this a controversial Bible verse, but it's not. A covering on her head. You know, there's some denominations, religions that truly think a wife should have her head covered. That's not what this is saying. Good gosh. Ladies, y'all are beautiful, okay? Y'all are God's creation. We want to see you. We don't want to see your face covered up. Like, you kidding me right now? Like, how in the world is a man ever going to be attracted to a woman if her face is covered 24-7? Like, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. And that is not at all what he's talking about right here. What he's saying is that covering is that umbrella. It's that covenant. It's that protection. It's a beautiful thing. That word submission, by the way, that a lot of people have beat up actually means protection. You're under protection. You have a covering over you. That's a beautiful thing. Again, unfortunately, the world has destroyed it. I mean, they've destroyed it. A fact for all the angels to notice and rejoice in. This is very similar to the men's verse that talks about hindering prayer. Very, very similar. The angels want to see you be under your husband's authority only when he is submissive to God. And they will take notice and they will rejoice in that. Some people in here may call this weird or whatever, but I 100% believe in guardian angels. In fact, I think I've seen mine. In fact, biblically, we have at least two angels with us at all times because God says that he will give his children the angels, plural, to protect them. So you have at least two. They're watching, and don't you want them to rejoice and be able to go back? Because I need you to understand something. Angels are communicators to God, which God knows all, but I just want you to picture this. They're watching you. They're watching what you do. And as long as you're following the order that God's put in place for that marriage covenant, they're able to rejoice and let God know that this is an amazing, submissive wife 
And she's doing it the right way, God. And we need to continue to keep this family in your favor. That's how I picture it. It may be wrong, but that's how I picture it. Take it or leave it. Ladies, your job is to elevate your husband. Trust me, we need it. I want to close with this. My wife, Amanda, has played a huge role in everything I've ever done. When it comes to my business, she's always been there. When it was Christian Warriors Ministry, she's always been there. And when it comes to this church, she's always there. But a lot of people don't even know who she is. I know there's some people probably sitting in this room right now that have no idea who Amanda is, who I'm talking about up here. I think sometimes that's because she has elevated me to a level that they don't see her. But what I need you guys to understand, Amanda is essential, and she knows that. Because I make dang sure she knows that. Husbands, that's our jobs. I don't know where I'd be, and I don't want to know where I'd be without Amanda as my partner. Ladies, you have to let us lead by respecting us. But men, you have to let your wives know how essential they are by loving them. If each of you do these two things, I guarantee a peaceful marriage environment. Grab a pen and paper. Write this down. Go ahead, Nick. A man is not the owner of his marriage. He is only the manager of God's business. Because your marriage is God's business. Amen?